Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Matthew Roberts, the Labor Law Helpline Manager and Employment Law Counsel with the California Chamber of Commerce. Today we have for you the long-awaited COVID-19 Supplemental Paid Sick Leave Edition. So ever since the governor's office and top lawmakers made a joint announcement about this a couple weeks ago, the questions have really been coming in steadily for us um, here at the chamber about what are the details? What do we have to do? When is this coming? Um, what does this look like? And really, <clears throat> unfortunately for everyone, us included, details were not really forthcoming until late last week when two separate bills, AB 84 and SB 114, went to print at the legislature. Now with the governor's signature making supplemental paid sick leave effective, it's time to get everyone up to speed and ready to hit the ground running. And to do so, we have a tandem of guests joining us today, Cal Chambers Policy Advocate on Employment Law Issues, Ashley Hoffman, and Cal Chambers Vice President of Labor and Employment Content Training and Advice, Bianca Saad. Ashley and Bianca, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. Thank you, Matt. Always a pleasure to join you. Now, Ashley, many of our members have called in with questions on, you know, like I said, what this uh, supplemental paid sick leave program looks like. What do we have to do? And really, why are we required to provide this again? We went through this issue last year um, and now businesses are kind of concerned that we're having to do this again. So I wanted to start with you to talk about kind of the legislative process that occurred with this bill um, and especially talk about your work in minimizing the impact on the business community. Thanks, Matt. With the Omicron surge that really started, you know, we started to feel at the end of last year and into the beginning of this year, it became a priority, as you mentioned previously, of Governor Newsom and the legislature to pass a new round of paid sick leave. You know, with the Democratic supermajority, um, the power of the labor groups that were pushing for this and it being an administration priority, you know, there really was uh we, we knew that we weren't going to stop this from coming, right? And so, uh, you know, what we felt would be the best for our members was to really advocate on their behalf to make certain changes compared to SB 95 and some of the original language that we were seeing. Um, so, you know, we worked really hard to, for example, make sure that small businesses were once again exempt. Uh, we worked hard to make sure you know, that there were some sort of hours limitations. Um, so for example, we were seeing a lot of abuse by employees as far as taking a full two weeks just to get a vaccine. So there's a limitation on that. And there's, a, you know, as we'll talk more about later, there's a 40 hour just overall limitation for some of the qualifying reasons. And then finally, you know, some groups had really pushed for this to be retroactive all the way back to October. Um, and so instead, we were able to secure it only being retroactive to January 1st. So we did see that definitely as a big win. Yeah, Ashley, you know, what was really interesting was back in September um, and October of last year, there was a lot of surprise that there wasn't anything to replace what had expired in September 30th. So I think, you know, your point's well taken that, you know, based off of the political realities that we have here in the state and the administrative's, uh, the administration's um, priorities that um, I think we knew this was coming again. But it is good to hear about the kinds of things that we were able to get into that bill to kind of help minimize the impact um, on the employers. Now, with this new leave effective, um, employers will have to pivot quickly to comply. Fortunately, Bianca, this law is fairly similar to last year's supplemental paid sick leave in many ways, right? Yes, that's correct. So first, uh, the similarity has to do with employer coverage. Um, like the 2021 supplemental paid sick leave that we saw, this newer supplemental paid sick leave is going to cover, it covers employers with um, those with more than 25 employees, or another way of stating that is simply those with 26 or more employees. 
And then next, the applicable date range that we're working with is also similar to what we saw last time. And that's from January 1st, 2022 through September 30th, 2022. The maximum bank of hours is going to be up to a potential maximum of 80 hours for a full-time employee. And then similar to last time, we'll see that prorated amount for our part-time employees. Um, as we'll talk about, most of the qualifying reasons are going to be the same um, as the previous round of supplemental paid sick leave. So those should look familiar. And we'll talk about um, some subtle distinctions that we do see um, this round. And then another similarity is with how the supplemental paid sick leave is going to be paid. So for our non-exempt employees, that's going to be at the employee's regular rate of pay for the work week in which the leave is taken. And then for our exempt employees, of course, that's calculated the same manner as other forms of paid leave time. Um, we still are going to have that um, daily uh, cap of 511 per day and 5,110 total for the uh, amount of the leave payout. And then finally, there are notice and pay stub requirements, which we had last time as well. Okay, so let's start with those notice and pay stub requirements, since those are a couple of things that employers are going to have to do, regardless of if they have any cases going on at this point right now. So, uh, Bianca, what will employers need to do with the posters and pay stubs? Yes. Yeah, so first with the posters, um, employers will need to keep their eye out for this. Um, the labor commissioner has seven days from the effective date to publish and make that poster available. Now, if an employer has employees that don't frequent a workplace, um, the law does allow, again, this is for purposes of the supplemental paid sick leave only, that the employer can distribute the notice electronically, such as via email. Um, but employers will, again, want to make sure to keep their eye out for that. Once it's made available, they are going to need to post it up in the workplace and provide it to their employees. Now, as far as the pay stub requirements, there is going to need to be a separate line item on that itemized wage statement or the pay stub. That is, um, it can also be a separate writing, and that's uh, similar to what we saw um, for the last round. So one thing that's different this time is that the employer is going to need to show how much leave an employee has actually used through that reflected pay period, as opposed to how much leave is actually available. So if an employee hasn't used any COVID-19 supplemental paid sick leave, then the employer is going to need to list zero hours used. Great. And now moving into the qualifying reasons, really why the employees um, can take this. I know you mentioned a lot of them the same. Can we talk about what those look like as kind of a refresher? And then really what is new this year compared to last year? Absolutely. So we do have a couple of additions, but most of which is the same. So let's start off with some of the, those that will look familiar. So when we're talking about the qualifying reasons, an employee can qualify for up to 40 hours um, of time if they are unable to work or telework for any of the following reasons. First, if they're subject to a quarantine or isolation period related to COVID-19, and that's going to be as something that's defined by an order or guidance of the State Department of Public Health. It can also be something coming from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, better known as the CDC, or a local public health officer who has jurisdiction over that workplace. Another qualifying reason is if an employee has been advised by a healthcare provider to isolate or quarantine due to COVID-19. If they are experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and seeking a medical diagnosis. 
or if they are caring for a family member who is subject to a government order or guidance for isolation or quarantine, or if that family member has been advised by a healthcare provider to isolate or quarantine. And then a fifth reason is if the employee is caring for a child whose school or place of care is closed or otherwise unavailable for reasons related to COVID-19 on the premises. Now, we have a couple of other reasons that are related to vaccine-related purposes, and this includes attending an appointment um, for a COVID-19 vaccine, or if the employee is experiencing symptoms um, related to a COVID-19 vaccine or a vaccine booster. Now, related to these two instances, in addition to the employee taking the time for themselves for these vaccine-related purposes, they can also take the time to go to a vaccine appointment for a family member, or if their family member is experiencing symptoms um, related to a COVID-19 vaccine or vaccine booster. So those are two uh, new instances that we did not see covered this last round. Right. And Ashley, you talked about this at the outset and something that we were able to get in there was limiting how the hours are used. And I think this is really um, probably the most complicated aspect of this bill for employers to really uh, kind of figure out how to put these different things into buckets, right, to kind of help them administer this leave. Because what we had last year was here's 80 hours. Uh, employees can use it. Employees don't need to provide documentation. Um, and as you said, um, and I heard this on the helpline too, this wasn't an exaggeration, employees were taking whole weeks off, two weeks off just to get the vaccine and to, you know, quote unquote, recover from the side effects. And there's nothing employers could do about that. And I think that was a huge frustration point. Um, so Ashley, this is really the biggest difference between the two is how the hours are allotted um, to the employees and what they're really eligible for. And you worked really extensively on this. So can you lay out for employees what they're really entitled to under this um, under this new leave? Sure. And, you know, a lot of this discussion had come about because there were discussions, you know, should this only apply to vaccinated people? But definitely want to, you know, maybe give time to go get the vaccine. But then we were seeing abuse. There was some concern about not being asked for documentation. So um, kind of what resulted from all of that is these two different buckets. And that's that's really how I like to think of it is you have 40 hours that was is can be used for the same qualifying reasons you had in SB 95, plus the two new ones that Bianca mentioned of going with a family member to either get a vaccine or if they're recovering from side effects. So that's one bucket that is 40 hours. So largely similar to 95. The second bucket is if you or a family member you're caring for are testing positive. So I think, you know, there was kind of a compromise made that we want to maybe reduce the number of hours, but if people actually have COVID, we want to make sure they're not coming to the workplace and they're able to stay home. So the second bucket is where, you know, you or a family member you're caring for has tested positive. And we did think it was important, you know, to have some right for the employer to ask for documentation um, so the employer may require documentation either of the employee or of the family member that they are, in fact, positive. So the employer may request documentation either that the employee is positive or that the family member is positive. And if the employee, say, refuses to actually take, you know, take a test or, you know, or refuses to show a photo of it or something like that, the employer then has the right to say you don't get to use this sick leave. And I think that was really important. And then with, you know, with the vaccination, there's a limit on the vaccination time as well, right? In terms of receiving the vaccination or recovering from the side effects. 
Yes. And so again, you know, that that issue of what you're seeing for members with abuse for those qualifying reasons in your first bucket, you can only use 24 hours total per appointment to go get the vaccine and recover from side effects. Um, so that was, you know, if you get a doctor's note um, that says you're still experiencing side effects, then you can use up to your full 40 hours. And I think that really highlights the biggest changes is that now we can kind of approach this leave to the actual need. Right. So 24 right. or I'm sorry, the 24 hours for the vaccine thing kind of goes in line with what we know from experiences and anecdotally about what it takes to recover from the vaccine and, and these kind of things. So um, I think that was a really valued addition. Um, Bianca, retroactivity was really confusing for some employers last year um, because the retroactivity looks kind of the same this time around um, as it did last time. Uh, this may not be so confusing, but can you um, work through this with us on what retroactivity means and what the employer will have to do and what the employee has to do. Yeah, absolutely. So with the retroactivity, again, this is retroactive to January 1st, 2022. So what that means is obviously now we're well into February. This will become um, effective, you know, within 10 days of the signing. And so an employee can look at, let's say, if they got vaccinated maybe mid-January and they realize, hey, I could have used this COVID-19 um, supplemental sick leave. This is a qualifying reason. They can ask their employer to use their supplemental sick leave for that purpose, and that would be retroactively applied. So um, another piece to it that we that is uh, more explicitly um stated this round that we didn't have with SB 95 is the fact that an employee, if they used a different bucket of sick leave previously, they can actually be credited now to get to get credit for their supplemental sick leave. So um, again, this isn't something that an employer is going to have to on their own um, initiate and go back to determine whether or not an employee was out for a qualifying reason, but an employee is able to um, come to their employer and say, hey, I was out this time if it was you know January 1st onward to um, use that leave time. Great. And Ashley, the, you know, the literal million dollar question with this bill that I've been seeing on the helpline is, are there monetary credits? Who is paying for this? You know, last year, the federal government was providing dollar for dollar ta payroll tax credits through the, the FFCRA, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and then uh, the American Rescue Plan Act that followed up last year um, for nearly every reason that we had covered under the supplemental paid sick leave last year, but those are gone. They expired in September 30th. So is there anything similar available for employers this time around? Yeah, I know, I know it's the million dollar question and it's uh, the answer makes me, you know, sad that unfortunately, no, there will not be tax credits like we saw last time. Um, have not heard any indication that the federal government intends to renew those. And that was not in the budget um, for California. Um, however, you know, I, I think is uh, some recognition of this for the business community. Um, the legislature and the governor did commit to including in the early action budget package, a restoration of the R&D and the net operating loss tax credits, uh, which, all, you know, just passed as well. And it also was signed um, to, you know, it, even though it won't be a dollar for dollar credit against sick leave specifically, you know, there's some hope that this will help, you know, offset the cost, especially the not net operating loss tax credits um, for many businesses who have needed those um, in light of COVID. Well, Ashley and Bianca, thank you very much for spending some time with us uh, to share your expertise, getting everyone primed for yet another year of supplemental paid sick leave. Uh, so thank you both for joining us today. 
Thank you for having us. Thanks, Matt. And thank you listeners for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers podcast by visiting calchamber.com.